This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Saturday night, and it is fight night. UFC 259 is about to get started, and we have a fun special edition of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. And it's funny because, Ryan, for all my years in the UFC, I'm obviously a big Joe Rogan fan and always watch his fight companion. So I think this was always an itch that I wanted to scratch and kind of do a live podcast, live show while there's fights going on. And we have an awesome lineup tonight uh, of guests. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. Awesome lineup of guests. Awesome card tonight for UFC 259. So it should be a fun evening. Exactly right. Uh, we are going to talk so much bills. We're gonna t- we're gonna sprinkle in some fights there as well. Um, we are gonna start things off with John Feliciano, uh, free agent offensive lineman for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, get his thoughts on what free agency has been like. He's a huge fight fan, big Jorge Masvidal fan. Uh, so we'll talk about maybe the potential fight between Masvidal and Kamara Usman as his guy maybe gets another shot at the title. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that with him and, you know, the season look back at tw- 2020. It was a, it was a memorable one for him and the bills. And I know you guys will be excited to hear about that and just kind of hang out uh, throughout the course of the night. Then we will have Mark Henry who uh, when I texted it to Ryan, he was like, wait a second, is that the, is that the wrestler? And I said, no, 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 <laughs> that is a, uh, the legendary MMA coach, Frankie Edgar, uh, longtime uh, head coach out in, um, out in Jersey, and it, it's funny. I go back to my UFC roots, and one of my best friends from the UFC is Tom Gerbasi, and uh, he always just tells, just raves. And I've actually never met Mark in person, so this will be, be a chance for us to kind of connect for the first time. He is a monster Buffalo Bills fan. Every time we talk to Ariel Hawani uh, and we set, set up a, a podcast uh, appearance, he's always telling me, you got to have Mark on. So I thought, let's get him on tonight. We'll talk some fights. We'll talk some Bills. Huge offseason come, coming off of this amazing season for the Bills. And then um, we're going to move it on to Patchy Mix. Uh, for you MMA fans, you're going to want to hang out for that one. Uh, Patchy is a Buffalo product. Uh, had a big fight um, recently against Juan Archuleta. Didn't go his way, but it's right back uh, at it. He's going to take on James Gallagher in a few weeks here. Excited about that. We're going to talk to him a little bit about, about that and then shift right back to the Bills as we welcome on uh, Bruce Nolan of the Bruce Exclusive uh, and Buffalo Rumblings. We'll talk some some more Bill stuff. But I want to start with some you know Bill stuff right off the jump here, Ryan. Uh, there was some news um, today, earlier today, the Bills re-signed Andre um, Smith, a linebacker who they brought on 
earlier this season after he was released by the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, he ended up being a nice little core special team player, uh, offer some linebacker depth. What, what were your thoughts on that signing? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a familiar face. It's someone that can help it in the special teams game, which obviously the Bills improved by leaps and bounds this past season in, in every aspect of it. And, and you know, what, when they first announced the resigning today, it took me back to when the Bills brought him in and how savvy this regime is. It was right before roster cutdowns. And the Panthers had announced that morning they were going to cut Andre Smith. And the next thing you knew, the Bills traded a conditional pick for him, uh, 2023 conditional pick. The Bills brought him in for about that week, and then they cut him. That week was enough for the Bills to say, okay, we want to get this guy on our practice squad, then on our main roster. But it also allowed them to get that pick back. So the Bills being so savvy, were able to get a good look at this guy, you know, before roster cutdowns, see if he could be a fit. Sure enough, he was. He he played well in his role this past season. Uh, they obviously have a lot of decisions to make, but getting you know dealing with some of these restricted free agents, putting some of those guys on the on, uh, getting them done and out of the way before a free agency, that's the best thing that the Bills can possibly do. Obviously, there's still a few more there. There's Levi Wallace. Uh, there's Corey Bohorquez. They brought in a punter for a visit recently. So I'm sure the Bills are going to keep doing some of this work leading up to free agency. Yeah, and. You know, I think that this I saw a couple tweets today, people talking about this was not the linebacker move I was I was waiting to see. And, uh, you know, I, I think you got to walk before you can run. I think this is, you know, maybe starting to set the scene for uh, the coming week as we start to see other players across the league uh, hit the hit the uh, free agent market before free agency begins. And I'm actually really interested to see what that's going to be like, Ryan, because. You know, traditionally, there's always that handful of guys, right? The the, the street free agents that kind of hit the market in maybe late January, early, early February, and they kind of take over the news cycle for a few weeks. Now it's there's so many more names added onto the you know situation. A guy like Gabe Jackson out of Las Vegas is a perfect example where, you know, a, a former John uh, Feliciano teammate, um, and we could ask him a little bit about him. Uh, you know, guys like that tend not to hit the market, but because of the situation this year with teams trying to shed salary cap, and I think we're going to see the Bills kind of follow suit next week uh, or, or maybe, uh, yeah, next week and try to do the same. Yeah, it's already been an, an odd time, and I know that it's already been out there. It's going to be a massacre, a lot of guys getting cut, but Trey Turner, on uh, Andrew Norwell, Kevin Zeitler, these are just some of the names that teams are – quote unquote attempting to trade right now but because of their salary caps they're most likely going to be released here in the near future probably as early as monday uh so the the market's getting flooded in certain positions and it's just going to get more and more of those players because with with the salary cap being lower than what it was expected to be obviously somewhere in the 180s teams have to shed that salary uh so there's going to be a lot more talent out there which is going to hurt some of these true free agents obviously but it's going to make things more interesting as well, and it's going to be one of the most wild free agency periods I think that we're going to see in a long time. Well, we're, while we're waiting for uh, Mr. Feliciano, I, th I think it would be fun to get Mark in here. Mark's Mark's already in the in the green room here. Why don't we bring him on, talk some bills real quick, have him on with uh, with John. It'll be fun. Mr. Mark Henry, how are you, my friend? What's up, guys? Go Buffalo. Not much, <laughs> not much. I, I That's where I wanted to start with you. I mean, how cool of a season was this for you after, you know, a couple decades of, you know, not great football to kind of go through this thing and, and how great it was this year. Uh, it was it was 
incredible, you know, and um, just you know, I was really hoping with the schedule they had, they'd win 10 games and was really hoping to win the AFC East. And, you know, they did so much more. I was hoping for one win, you know, in the playoffs. So it went beyond expectations. So I'm beyond ecstatic on the season. And just who would have imagined Josh playing like he did? I don't think anybody uh, as a Bill fan in their wildest dreams would think that anybody, you know, he was going to break Jim Kelly's records you know, uh, this year at all. So everything was, was just an incredible year. And I think a year that all Bill fans and, and, you know, and really and anybody in America really needed in this year that it really helped heal a lot of things and, and, uh, you know, made it exciting when so many families are going through a hard time and, and, uh, you know, t- tough times. It, it was great. Yeah. Well said. Now, Mark, how did you become a Bills fan out in New Jersey? Uh, and uh, I was in the military, and uh, when I got out of the military, all my buddies were betting uh, with this bookie on baseball. So I started getting into them baseball. I was winning and doing great. And it was uh, 1990, and I think it was maybe the third game of the season, and uh, the Bills were playing against the Jets. And uh, and so I, I wanted to, I was doing great in baseball. Baseball went into football. All of a sudden, uh, I'm losing my shirt. And my one buddy says, bet it on the Monday night game. And it was about all the money I had saved up when I was in the military. And uh, I just went for it. And I said, God, just please let me win this game. I, I, I won't bet again. I bet on Buffalo. All my buddies went with me to, uh, to this uh, uh, bar place to watch the game. Uh, first drive, jet scores, and my knees buckled. And then Thurman Thomas went off, and uh, they crushed the uh, – the Jets on a Monday night game. I don't know if you guys remember it. It was the beginning of the season, a nineteen ninety. I remember they even lit fires at the metal. It was the old Jet Stadium, and they burned wow. some fires in the stadium. And uh, and uh, but that was uh, that was when I became a Buffalo fan. They pulled me out of a tight spot, and uh, you know I've been a huge fan since. What do you uh, What do you hear? I mean, you like you know being in the UFC world, traveling all over the world, really, for all these different fights. You meet a lot of different people, and they kind of, you know, when you get to talking, sometimes football comes up. It did for me. And every time I told people I was from Buffalo, kind of got this kind of, you know, side eye, and the jokes started coming. I mean, Uh, you've probably heard it all. uh, That's all you hear is the jokes. You know, for for me, a great uh, thing combining with the UFC was when uh, the UFC went to um, Buffalo. Mm -hmm. It was awesome for me. I met – all the players were in the back by the locker rooms and everything. So I got to uh, take a picture of Ty Rod, talk to Ty. I never, don't ask anybody, you know, for a second. We see a lot of guys, you know, hanging out at, the UFC, at big UFC fights. And, uh, you know, finally I went up to somebody who was Ty Rod, and he was in the back, and he was really cool. So that was a, you know, great moment. You know, a few of the players were in the back, but I was a big uh, Ty Rod guy. So, uh, you know, it was really great. But, like, you know, like you guys know, you, you get, you get, you get, until, Maybe this year, you know, you just get ripped on constantly. Oh, you're a Bills fan. And, you know, you're almost even afraid to, you know, football season to walk out with a, you know, with a Bills shirt on, you know. But, uh, you know, this year it was definitely, you know, you walked out with it proud. You know, you go to ShopRite real quick or Wegmans and, uh, you know, you went out with your Allen jersey or Diggs or, you know, you went or Edmonds jersey and you went out proud. Absolutely. Now the Bills were right there. They they made it all in the championship game. Obviously, fell short against the Chiefs. So after that loss, after kind of having some time to evaluate it, 
in your opinion, what's the biggest need for the Bills to address and what need do you want them to address the most? So maybe the edge rusher, cornerback, tight end too. Uh, what do you think? Well, obviously it's a linebacker. You know, Milano's gone and they basically only play with two at a time. They play nickel all the time. So, uh, you know, they're definitely going to need a really good linebacker to, uh, you know, this coming up year. And, and Edmonds had a, had a rough start. And, you know, you're kind of wondering – you know, what's going to happen with Edmonds next year. I really hope he progresses and, uh, you know, they also have to decide if they're going to grab his fifth year. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a really big year for him and, and you definitely need somebody alongside of him. I don't know if they're going to go in the draft or if they're going to definitely have to pick some type of backup, you know, uh, in the off season. but that's probably the biggest one. Also defensive end, we were so close to what, Oh my goodness. I thought it was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you guys, you guys probably have more inside than anybody. Uh, did you hear it was probably going that way? Why? They, they did a really good job, his camp, of keeping it really the lid on because the, I, I think Arizona was an absolute out of left field like nobody really saw it coming. The Peloton bike. I was so excited, <laughs> the Peloton bike. Yeah, that, that made what it interesting see? and – uh, you know, like Matt said, though, the, the their camp was unbelievable because those even those betting odd sites are usually so accurate. And there were times where the Bills were the favorite and the Browns. I don't remember yeah. the Cardinals ever once being even on that no, list. So they, they really kept that under wraps. Yeah, they did an amazing job. And, but in every conversation, it was Buffalo. And, uh, you know, the pressures that that Hughes brings and Watt brings, you know, they're in the top 10 in, in both, you know, in that category. So, you know, the last uh, month, it was great, you know, even thinking about wanting that jersey and all the posts everybody was doing with wanting a Buffalo jersey, you know, it was pretty exciting. But they definitely, definitely need somebody, uh, you know, you know, a defensive end and linebacker, I think, at the two big needs. And then a cornerback, too, you know, uh, depending what they do this year. Let's bring, let's bring our guy in here, uh, Mongo what Feliciano up? here. What's up, buddy? <laughs> What up? What up? What up? You are. Uh, How are you doing? We're good, man. You're joining the uh, the legendary Mark Henry, uh, Coach, Coach, in the chat. Sure. How you doing? That's Mad respect, man. Nice, nice to see. Nice to finally talk to you. Yeah. We. Uh, <laughs> Say it again. I you broke up. I said it's the next UFC heavyweight champ right there. <laughs> hey, man. That would be awesome, huh? Imagine that. So, John has been great to join us here tonight because he's got a party going on for these fights. This is one of the sickest cards I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot of them. I mean, how pumped are you for these fights tonight? Man, fucking ex can I curse? I'm yeah, sorry. you can curse, man. This is late night. <laughs> like, Okay, like I can like chill. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm fucking excited, man. It's, it's a huge card. Um, I want to see how uh, my boy Jan does. Probably, probably not gonna be good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, man, I'm excited. The Aljamain Sterling fight is probably the the one that I'm most excited about. John, obviously, you are a huge UFC MMA fan. Who else on the Bills besides yourself are are big UFC fans? Um, I'm the biggest. But, uh, I mean, I remember, uh, so that Connor fight, we had, it was me, Beasley, and, and Josh, and Lee. 
we all watched the fights, fought, uh, the fight together. Uh, that was kind of a nice thing to do. Like, uh, happened to be the last one of the last times that I spent with them. So uh, it was a great fight. Um, but I, I believe the UFC is starting to like really blow blow up everywhere. I mean, everyone now is if it's a big fight, like everyone's interested. Everyone's asking. Asking me, I get so many dang questions every week. <laughs> That's what happens when you become like the aficionado. I can't imagine what it's probably like for you, Mark. I mean, you probably got friends and family texting you all the time when the big fights come up. No, you know, with, uh, the, you know, the bigger fights, the better, especially the Connor ones, like John was saying. You know, you were, the two of them were kind of was fighting right now. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember at the garden, it was so the night is a big event, and, uh, you know, you definitely feel it when you're at the event, you know, the hype uh, of each event is different, but tonight is definitely one of them. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. So, John, what's uh, what's free agency been like, man? Like, I, I, I feel like you went through this process already before in 19, but this one's got to be so much different. I mean, what's it, what's it been like, the whole process? Um, I mean, I feel like I ain't really start yet. Uh, but I mean, it sucks. It's not, it's not fun. Um, really racking me down nowhere. What's going to happen? You don't know if you're going to have to move your whole family that, uh, really like the, the, where we were. Uh, so we know what's going to happen. The game. Hopefully we know more in like two weeks. Um, it's funny, you got a you got a big you're a big fan of uh, Mr. Jorge Masvidal. Uh, we we joke around in the locker room a lot uh, back in the day. Obviously, I'm a big Kamaru Usman fan. That seems like it could be the next fight. How do you see it playing out this time around? Uh, yeah, I already talked to George. He asked me if I can come uh, step on his feet for him uh, to get ready for the fight. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I'm excited to see how how it goes. Uh, I mean, I know he was literally flying. I think he's didn't he stop in Italy on his way to Abu Dhabi before he got to fight home yes. to get some pizza. Yeah. I mean, that's that that hilarious. I mean, I'm excited. I think uh, I think my boy got it. John, th this year was unbelievable. Bills make it all the way to the AFC Championship game. You guys pretty much run the table late in the regular season. What was it like entering the playoffs hot? And what was it like making it so far in the playoffs this year? Man, it was dope, especially, uh, you know, having getting to have the fans there the first uh, playoff game and then to earn another one, man, it was, uh, it was a hell of a ride. Wish we could have finished. Mark, obviously, I, I think I was talking to Ariel or, or maybe you at one point, and you said that you're a big fan of, of John. You got him on the line here. Anything you want to ask him? Ah, uh, huge fan. We, you know, we, we, me and Ariel tweeted him during the year. You know, and I think that's a, one of the hugest things. You keep thinking that he's on the team, and sometimes you forget that he's a free agent. Because when you think of the Bills, 
you think of John, you know what I'm saying? And you, and you just think of uh, how much better they got. And they got so much better when he came back from injury. Like, I think the team hit a whole nother level. And I think it's definitely um, the first thing they need to do is re-sign him. And if they don't re-sign him, it'd be a, a massive uh, disappointment. Because I think not only, you know, was his play incredible, not giving up any sacks on the whole year and in the playoffs, but just the nastiness, you know, he came in, right when he came back, he helped Josh score a touchdown right in the end zone. Like, he's just, everything he does, I feel like uh, that offense, you know, generates around Josh and John. Like, I just saw a whole different team when he came back. So, I think if they don't re-sign him, I think it's a massive mistake. And I think, uh, you know, the offense will definitely feel it just not only in the play, but in their mentality. And uh, I think it's huge that they sign him. And he knows what a huge fan Ariel and I are of him. And, uh, you know, we would, we would tweet him and text him each time. And I don't know if you guys know it, but the day this guy's done, he's ready for fighting, man. He's ready. Because <laughs> when, you, when you want your fighters, when you see your fighters, you want your fighters to be like him. You know, with that toss in the last game, throw, throw you know, uh, tossing another guy that, you know, in the playoffs. That, that's the type of mentality that you want as a fighter. So I already told him before, uh, you know, we're ready for the pads as soon as he's done. You know, we'll go after Hardy first and let him know we're a real NFL star. <laughs> <laughs> Code man, I appreciate all that, man. Uh, it's funny. I mean, the first time, the, the honestly, the first time I've ever watched anything about MMA when I was a kid uh, was Frankie Eggers' uh, MTV like True Life sh- shit. Oh, oh my. <laughs> so like, that's a long time ago. How cra- how crazy is that? That was when I first ever uh, got introduced to MMA. That's, that's a wild. long time ago, and you know. And Munoz just had a great fight, and he did great against Munoz, you know, because of, because mm-hmm. of his age. You know, I hate that when he loses now. Oh, he's old, but everybody forgets he just did really great with Munoz not too long ago. And Munoz yeah. had a, a great fight just last week, you know? Yep. You know, what Mark just said was interesting because I, listen, I saw you tweet yesterday, you know, 12 games, no sacks. There seems to be like, I don't know if it's like an off-season kind of haze that people get into, but, you know, I, I would imagine maybe you're online a lot. You see some of the commentary or, or whatever people think. There, there's been some shade about, your, you know, your play this year at times. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't care. I mean, I didn't give it no sex. Uh, I don't know what my QB hits were, but, uh, I mean, shit ain't going to be pretty. <laughs> it's not like the way I play uh, it's not always going to be pretty, but goddamn, uh, Josh get hit. And what about that relationship with Josh? When you were injured, you know, one of the first pictures you showed was was him taking care of you. What's that relationship like with Josh Allen? Man, I, I die for him, man. That's my guy. Um, uh, for someone, I mean, not all quarterbacks are bad. A dang. What you know, giving up a sack for like the man will do anything to get out of a sack. He won't just like lay out, lay down. He was gonna try to stiff arm somebody, do a little awkward Josh juke that somehow works. <laughs> um, and I mean, he's he's giving it out, he's giving his freaking life on the line every play, and uh, that's the reason why we we, we play so hard for him. You, um, I'm going to let you get out of here in a minute here, but you had another tweet recently that, listen, 
I'll give you one thing, man. You got the MMA game already figured out because you keep the people on their toes with your social media stuff. That's part, that's part of the game. I tell fighters that all the time. A uh, good buddy of mine, going back to like his first one of his first fights in the UFC, Cody Garbrandt. We we had long talks about that, about the fight game, what the fight game's like, and the kind of things that you have to do that you might not have to do in different sports. You kind of yeah. got that, and you had that tweet the other day where you just tweet retweeted a video and put C. What did the C stand for? My my phone was in my pocket, and it was just uh, the caption itself might have might have accidentally had a C. I don't know. I was just ah. trying to hit a retweet. I was just trying to give you some love, right? Wasn't it your? It was your. I retweeted something for you, man. I was helping you out. I know, I know. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right. What are your picks for tonight? What are your picks for tonight? Uh, this this fight right here. This is gonna. This is a. Uh, this is this this is an interesting one. I I don't know about this one. This racket dude looks legit. Um, I don't know how to say his name. I might have just murdered his name. My bad. Eh, close uh, enough. Close enough. Um, Tiago Santos is a beast. Um, I think he's been dealing with some injuries. Yeah. But it's a good fight. It's a good fight. Who do you got in the main event? Uh, if I was betting, I'd pick Alisson. Um, but you know, I'm still a John Jones fan, so I'm gonna rock with my boy. I'm gonna hold for Jan. But honestly, um, probably is is he? I, I think Aljamain's gonna gonna beat Peter Pete, and then I mean, a man Nunez is man Nunez, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what 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 about you, Coach? Coach, let me let me get some wisdom from you. <laughs> well, I've had enough experience with all those with all those guys. Jan, uh, Corey, my guy Corey, and we thought he was going to beat him the second time. He got knocked out. So I watched a lot of Jan's and uh, and Sterling. I had Marlon knock him out, and then I had one of my guys mm -hmm. that beat my sheriff. You know, Spartan. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm used to both of those guys. But I thought Jan fought way over his head last fight. I don't know what you guys thought, but it's the best he's ever fought. And I don't know if he could pull that off again, but I think he would need to do the same thing. It's, it's tough. Yeah, that he did last fight. Like the Buccaneers played way above themselves, the defense. And I think it's the same situation. You know, that Buccaneers team that you saw in the Super Bowl didn't seem mm -hmm. like the defense you saw here. And that's how I kind of looked at it with with, um, with Jan. Jan fought way above his head, you know, when he just won the title. And I think that has to do it again to be Izzy. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'll see what Sterling. Um, uh, Jan will keep coming at him, so I don't know how Sterling's boxing defense. Like, I think he really have to, you know, take him down. And, and, uh, yeah. But like yeah. I said, it doesn't matter because uh, once John's ready, he's ready to take them all out. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> well, man. Uh, give me like three, four years, but I need to start training. I, I need to start training. I told you, bro, ready. The pads are ready. Yeah, after after he oh, signs his big uh, off season deal, we can. Oh, uh, with the bills, it better be with the bills or. All right, Matt, I got my boy here. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Is that uh, Miguel? Yeah. yeah. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Congratulations! What an unbelievable run you've been on, man. Miguel Baeza, uh, just taking it out, taking over the UFC. What's up, man? Yeah, man. I just uh, I'm out, I'm out here right now, man, watching the fights. So I can't wait for the next one. I've been uh, trying to talk to the guys at UFC, see what's going on, but. I don't know yet, and as soon as something comes up, stop man, fucking man. around and fucking pay him his money. Yeah. 
Yeah, appreciate you saying that, bro. Yeah. yeah, listen to the big man. There you go. Listen, man, you you're killing it though, dude. Finishes. I mean, what I tell you? Two, hey, I told you two years ago. Yo, John, John's got it all figured out, coach, because what he's going to do is he's going to be an NFL football player, he's going to be a fighter, and then he's going to be either a coach or an go. analyst. I mean, he's got so many careers coming. He could do he, it all. Yo, I told him, I told him, just whatever, wherever you go, it doesn't matter. You're set. You're going you're gonna to kill it no matter what. So I hope, yeah, guys. He's going to kill it. He's going to kill it. He's, he's an athlete, bro. So he's going to pick it up. He's going to pick it up just like that. That's awesome. For sure, man. He's got that nasty uh, attitude. So that's all he that's that's right, <laughs> right there. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh best of luck in free agency. Hopefully we'll 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 hear some news here in the next couple of weeks. Uh enjoy uh the rest of your off season. Appreciate it. Coach, hey man, do your nice thing, kid. To you. Do your Matt, thing, kid. Forget it. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here. I'm not saying anything that's going to get me in trouble. But, you know, Mark, you're, I think you have a great point there. And, listen, he's in the middle of free agency. He doesn't want to say too much. That's, you know, um, yeah, everything kind of impacts that uh, in this, this time of year. Um, but I did think he was a big piece of it. And, listen, you know, obviously, you know, we're very friendly. I, I love the fact that he's such a big UFC or MMA fan. And we, we kind of connected there. But, you know, taking the bias out of it a little bit, I do think that there was a level of play that went up once he got back to the oh, lineup. And I think that his versatility all over that line, I th I don't think you can underestimate that because, listen, they're all whether or not Mitch Morris returns next year, they're always one injury away from being in really deep trouble at the center position. And having a guy like him just gives you that kind of stability. You didn't even know that, you know, when Morse got hurt that game, you didn't even see, you know, anything slightly go down and went up. In fact, you know, when he went to center, you know, I didn't even really know he went there. I thought they were going to use somebody else, you know, because they, they weren't putting him. I never heard him at center before until after the game where you guys talked about it, you know, because your podcast is one of the best out there, you know, and you guys talked about it. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I, didn't, you. I didn't even know he was at center. And, uh, you know, what, what an incredible job that you know, that he did. Then when you watch the, the game over again, you saw, you know, you know, how he could play center, he could play guard. And he's just, I, I think it's just his nastiness. And, you know, like at the end, you know, at, uh, you know, the last game when they lost, you just saw, you know, he was there for his quarterback, you know, and he's just a nasty dude. And I think, you know, you need that type of attitude, especially, you know, <laughs> be, you know, for Buffalo, you know, that, that, that brings your team to a whole never le a level, you know, mentally, I know it did, does in the fighting game so him not being there i think it's tough you know because you could you could put him in and put bodiger on the other side and put cody put him out to you know right tackle and and you know you're set until you see you know you know you're definitely good until you see what happens in the draft or whatnot you know and uh it gives you where you could start going for that linebacker going for that quarterback too maybe going for that running back you know even like someone I tell you, I'd love to see Duke Johnson. Maybe the Bills sign him is the would be great too. But you know, there's so many things they need to do. Like you guys saying your podcast that, uh, you know, that would be one less thing, which is a major thing, offensive line. You know, and I love that you said that part about his attitude and and what he brought to the offensive line. It, it kind of reminded me of what Jordan Phillips did for the d defensive line last year, where he could really get that unit fired up with a big play, right. and then get everyone around him playing at a higher level. The same thing with John. Lost, when John was out there, 
Yeah, lost in two. So when, when John's out there and he makes a big block and he's going nuts about it and he's clapping after a big run, it gets the other guys pumped up. So it, it's not just uh, what he brings from a playing standpoint and the versatility. It's also what he brings from that emotional standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and not only that, you know, it's, you know, having the, having everybody play together. He's been on the team for two years and they've been doing really great. And I'm sure that Josh really trusts in him and Morse trusts in him that, you know, that it's, it's just one less thing. You have to work out the kinks in the first three, four games. You don't know what's going on with COVID, how much these guys are going to have time together again, that that's just a major thing. I think for next year, you want to start off fast. You know, and, uh, you know, he, he's a major component to that. You know, you brought, you brought up a great point about, you know, Cody Ford moving out to right tackle. It's something we've been talking about a little bit on the show the last couple of weeks. And, you know, there's there's this level of panic, I think, that comes along with Daryl Williams potentially being gone. Because when you find, you know, a, an answer on the ends like they found in Dion and Daryl Williams, I think that fans are hoping that, that you can keep that continuity there. But I think – that uh, uh, at the same time, you could take the Daryl Williams success story and say, okay, maybe you should put some trust in Brandon Bean in the front office to find a suitable right tackle in the future in, in a similar situation. Because coming in here, you know, nobody had any expectations for Daryl Williams. Even look at Bodiger, how great he played at guard. I was so, I don't want to be mean, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad he took over for winners because that was, that was a little rough. <laughs> rough going there but i mean he played solid near the end of the year i mean totally solid and i think cody would rather be at right tackle too so i think you're making him happy in the long run also you know i feel like that's where he he'd rather be that's where he was in college you know near the end i know he played both but it seems like at the right tackle is where he wants to be and you know he was a rookie you know uh two years ago too so you know you, you got to give him the you know the benefit of the doubt and they just really need a defensive end. They really have to, you know, I don't know if you guys want to trust going, you know, Klein's amazing and played so great at the end, but can you go for those first five games? You know, we're, we're, we're pretty tough. Mm. And those were where those losses came in. And, um, you know, be, be, you know, good to have a linebacker that can go sideline to sideline and, and cover the running back and the tight end. So, you know, I really think they need to put some money towards defensive end and linebacker. And if you... And Williams, I think, is just going to be too much money. You know, that he had an amazing season. And, um, you know, where the, a tackle cost a lot. So, and, and you know, I think John loves Buffalo. I mean, I don't hear Williams talk about Buffalo as much as I hear John do. I mean, uh, right. he loves Buffalo. And, and everybody loves him. And I, I keep forgetting that. I keep thinking he's a bit, you know, he's a bill. And then, you know, I keep forgetting he's a free agent, which, you know, I really hope they sign him. I think it's going to be tough if he doesn't sign let me just switch gears with you real quick before I let you get out of here and talk a little bit of fight business. Obviously, you mentioned him already. Is a beat uh, Mega Man Sheriff one fight of the business. fight oh. bills, man. I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, but I'm a huge fan of Zabit, and it's uh, like, man, why don't we get some Zabit? I know Zabit. I tell you, he and I tell you what, what you guys seen? You guys, see, you guys have seen nothing yet. Like when you see the stuff that he does in sparring. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm at my restaurant. But he, the stuff he does in sparring is uh, is incredible. Like, nobody's even seen, you know, what this kid could really do. So I'm really hoping, uh, you know, he gets out there soon. Yair keeps busting up the plans. I keep telling him to forget Yair. But um, <laughs> he he's incredible, man. He definitely, he's definitely destined to be a champion, you know. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys coming up. Cody, I'm excited for his fight again. 
Uh, he's got something coming up soon. But, um, you know, but Zabit is just a monster. No one's even seen anything in yet. Mark, what, what's it like when you're training all these fighters in, in terms of being able to keep up on the Bills news, watching the games on a weekly basis? Uh, it's you guys, man. I watch. I don't miss one single podcast, you know. Uh, I watch wow. you guys. I watch Marino. I watch, um, uh, you know, this uh, Tasker. But it's every morning. I have, I've had about an hour drive to my restaurant and um, to train where we spar at. So it's every day I'm on a podcast, you know. And uh, this year took away from my taping a little bit, and and I need to get back on it because we got a ton of fights coming up, you know, with, with different with uh, Corey Anderson and Cody and uh, Eddie Alvarez and a bunch of people coming up with fights. But my the bills are taken away from that. You know, you just especially this year, like you you find yourself watching the games again. Like I should be watching tape, and I'm watching the you know replay of the game. My son's like, Dad, you watching the bill game again? Like, you know, because it was you. So many years we waited, you know, and uh, I've been to Buffalo a ton of times and um, it's such an awesome atmosphere there. And, uh, you know, that's the only thing that every game I would say to myself, I'm like, man, that would have been so great to be in Buffalo this year or for Diggs to see how the crowd was. You know, I, I really miss that part. I'm sure you guys do. I, you guys talked about it a lot. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a great point. And, you know, I'm curious for somebody that, you know, does live kind of close. I mean, you're not too far of a drive from Buffalo. What's that dynamic like with how much you're able to, over the years, get to a game and how much you're looking forward to maybe next year getting to a game with how good, you know, this this team now seems to be? Oh, I'm so excited. My son and I are so excited to drive over there. And, um, you know, I've had so many great moments, too. The the Jacksonville game when the Bills uh, were, were playing and, and um, Doug Flutie took over. It was funny, too. I was in um, the bubble. You know, you, you could pay to go and kick field goals and, and stuff mm -hmm. where they where the Bills practice. Well, so we're paid. I'm about to go next. And this guy cuts in front of me. And I'm about to kick and cuts in front of me, kicks the field goal. And it was Doug. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, Flutie was going across over to the locker room. He went through the thing. And he, he cut in front of us. We're about to kick. And he, he wow. kicked the field goal. It was a, it was a boomer. But, uh, you know, that game was incredible. I'll never forget my first Buffalo game was in September when um, Bruce Smith sacked uh, Barry Sanders. I don't know if you got him for safety. I don't wow. know if you guys remember that. And that was in uh, September. And I'll never forget my first trip to Buffalo. I brought long johns. I bought all these jackets. I had all, you know, all this stuff on it. I get there, and it's like 80 degrees. <laughs> and, I all, and I had to pull it all off go into the bathroom and take everything off but uh nothing's like uh being in buffalo and and the fans of buffalo it, it's just incredible man there's nothing like it and definitely can't wait to get back to 100 percent of that you know because nothing's like 100 percent of being at a buffalo bill game nothing man and nothing's like as better as listening to you guys man i mean i listen to you guys every podcast man to be from jersey you know, it's tough because you don't, you know, you can listen. It's, it's good in these times. You can look, what's it, WGR, I think it is. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, you can listen to that. But um, you guys bring so much content, man. And and, and it's just, you know, this, you know, lobster and steak when you listen. You, you get every single bit from you guys. And, uh, you know, love being on, uh, love listening to you guys. And, and uh, it's awesome being on tonight. Ariel and I talk about, you know, how great you are. You know, Ariel, you know, like. There's, there's Ariel, and then there's nobody that even compares to Ariel. I feel like, you know, you guys are the same. <laughs> what you, 
and what you do. You guys are doing an amazing job, man. That's so, that's so humbling, man. Like it, two kind of words, two kind of words. <laughs> now you guys do, especially when you do those late nighters, man. When you guys, <laughs> when you guys are doing the late nighters on a bill game, and you guys like one in the morning, I think you've guys done a couple now. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. we're in trouble. I think now that the team's good, we're gonna have to get used to that over the next couple of years. Yeah. Prime time games. Yeah. Fire up the coffee. Uh, did now, Mark? Who are some of your all-time favorite Bills? I know you you were talking about the, the Thurman Thomas era. You, you just mentioned Doug Flutie, the current team. So maybe like your top three favorite Bills of all time. You know the way I, I liked. Um, my favorite Bill was Doug Flutie because he reminds me of Frankie. You know the little guy, the guy that's underweight, the guy that's you know small and and uh, you know a huge. Doug Flutie fan. I remember too. They were come. They were six and ten that year. Wade Phillips came in, and I just thought they weren't going to be good. Doug Flutie takes over, and it was just such an incredible two years. Uh, him, Coward, Sam Coward. Nobody talks about Sam Coward. The guy mm. had more tackles mm. than anybody till he uh, till he got injured. Injured. And then yeah. um, Eric Moles. I loved Eric Moles. A big big Eric Moles guy. But those are my those are my pretty much top three. Well, it's funny. Don't get mad. And when I do finally get down to Jersey, I, I really like to get down there for a Cody camp and just spend a couple of days with you guys. And oh, definitely. don't get too mad. I was a Rob Johnson guy back in the day. Oh. I don't know why. Like thinking back to go, it now, I gotta <laughs> <go>. <laughs> he's hanging up. He's hanging up. I honestly looking back at it now and just watching him like just old game footage of him and like looking at him on the sideline. I kind of look back at my old self and I'm kind of like, what were you doing, man? Like what? What made you kind of even? Why were you even down with that? I mean, Doug Flutie was a gamer, like um, an underdog. I mean, he was Buffalo. So to your point, I mean, I, I look back and I'm ashamed of myself. The Tennessee <laughs> game, the Tennessee game, Tennessee undefeated at home, eight no during the season. If Doug would have, Doug would have, Doug said it too. He says, if I would have played that game, I would have won. And uh, I wish you. he did. That, that was some season. I'll never forget that year, too. My father-in-law, uh, my best friend in the world, he passed away. But the only thing that made me feel better that game is I'll never forget the music oh, no. the run, uh, the, the run back. They, they score a touchdown, and I'm so depressed. And all of a sudden, my father-in-law, you know, he's he's in his 80s, was standing up and jumping up. And he goes, somebody you know, has an Italian accent. A mark, a mark, a stand up, a stand up. A look, the Buffaloes <laughs> are doing the same thing. The Buffaloes are doing the same thing. I go, pop, that's the replay. That's the replay. That's not the Bills. Uh, you got the Bills came back and scored. Oh, uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Own, uh, run back. But that was the only thing that made me feel better. But a lot of great Bills memories. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you get out of here, but before before I do, we're gonna met we're gonna bring in uh Patchy Mix, who I believe was out with you for a little while. Uh had a couple days out there. Uh say hi, hey, say what's, what's up? up. How you doing, brother? What's going on? But how you doing? How you doing, man? How are you, Mark? What's up, champ? How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. Just out here training. Good. He man. is Looking uh good. he is uh the pride of the 716. And I couldn't do a fight podcast without getting him on here. And I, I know he was out there for a few days and wanted to say say hi. Uh, but, Mark, thank you so much nice. for coming on. We'll talk more here uh, in, in the coming weeks. I, we actually have a guest coming on, in the, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks that you're going to be very interested in. Uh, but thank you so much for, for spending some time with us, man. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much, guys. A huge, huge fan of your show, man. Can't, uh, can't wait for this coming up season. Can't wait to keep listening to you guys, man. You guys kill it all the time. TKO every every episode. God bless, guys. Take it easy. Thanks, brother. Take Thanks. care.
All right. Patchy Mix. What is up, my man? How you, how you feeling? How you doing? How you doing? How are you're, you? you're out in my uh, neck of the woods. Uh, I miss Las Vegas out in these uh, cold. I think, it's, uh, I think it's lagging a bit. Oh, is it lagging? Am I getting you at all now? You got me? Can you hear me all right, bud? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Mm. Uh, I think it's lagging a bit. I don't know if it's the internet. I'm inside of a hotel, so it might be a little uh, chopped up. Can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, right? might be. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hmm. Let me try to Let's see here. Can you uh, hear me now? I can hear yeah, you. I can hear you better now. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Um. Maybe it's just man. Uh, I, I saw on your social media that you're going to be back here in Buffalo uh, soon to do a little bit of a seminar, but I saw that you were out in Vegas and I'm like, man, we're, we're getting snow again. I miss my old hometown. Yeah, I know. How is it out there, man? Uh, it's beautiful out here, man. It's way nicer. I think it was 78, uh, 76 uh, today. Oof. So it's, um, Killing it's better, me. I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back to the cold next week, you know, seeing my family and stuff. For sure. For sure. That's definitely why uh, I made my way back here. So how has camp been? Why did you go to Vegas? You know, give us an update on, on where things are at and kind of what you, what, what you, you did to change things up this camp. Um, this camp, I feel like I kind of hit my ceiling in New Mexico uh, prior to my last fight. Um, you know, with COVID especially going on, a lot of my training partners, uh, it was hard to get a lot of the highest level work in. So mm -hmm. I see like a lot of these best guys are here in Vegas and my manager invited me out. So I gave it a shot, and then when I got out here, I mean, I loved it, you know, just training with. Um, I'm training with the Russian team, Khabib's team right now, mm. and then I'm also doing uh, cross-training at uh, Extreme Couture. So I have so many, like, the highest-level fighters, you know, to uh, work with, and it's, it's, I think it's beneficial for me. So uh, did, how many rounds have you gotten in with, uh, with uh, the big man, Francis Ngannou? <laughs> None yet. I held the rope, so rope for him last week when he did conditioning. That was enough for me, man. I was tired just doing that. That's awesome. I have a picture with uh, uh, back at the UFC headquarters. I think it was like two or three months before I was leaving, and I brought my daughter in who had just been born, and he kind of yeah. walked up in the cafeteria, put his hand on her head, and literally you you almost don't see her whole body. He's that big. So it's, that's yeah, crazy. he's huge, man. He's so big. But he's so friendly, too. I see him around the gym, man. He's like one of the nicest guys that I've uh, I've ever met, man. He's so, so nice. That's awesome. He is, he is a really great guy. So let me ask you – What's it been like since the loss, man? Because you go, you make your way in the sport. I try to tell people what it's like in the fight business. Like, you know, it, it's different than it, – it's not like you don't just lose a game. Like a fight is like you yeah. put so much of yourself into that. And so, like, what's it been like? Because, man, it was a, a classic. I mean, it was a, it was a great fight. But what's it like to, to kind of suffer that loss? Um, I think the hardest part about the loss is um, just getting so close to the title – like having it literally in my hands and putting it around my shoulder. I mean, being up two rounds to nothing against the now current world champion. Um, and then to, uh, to have it so close, I think that hurts more, but um, I guess, man, it's, I don't feel too much different than when I, um, you know, when I win my fights, to be honest with you, I'm grateful for the experience and the opportunity. And um, basically the whole game is, it's like a marathon to get better. So I guess, um, I'm kind of grateful in a sense because I learned some things about me that I haven't, um, I haven't learned, you know, I haven't had the chance to learn, should I say, because mm -hmm. there was no adversity prior to my last loss. Yeah. That, that makes a great deal of sense. Now growing up in this area, were you a Bills fan? Yeah, man, I'm a uh, diehard Bills fan, you know, growing up in Buffalo, New York, <laughs> you know that. 
<laughs> I mean, of course, of course, we just we just had our big run though. Since I was born in '93, so I don't really my whole mm. life. I guess the Bills haven't done too well, if that makes sense. Oh no, yeah, it makes, <laughs> it makes <laughs> it plenty of sense. Yeah. So this year, you know, it's been I guess it's been um, very exciting, and then um, it's been it's brought all my friends and stuff together too. You know, what I mean, especially with COVID going on. So this year was huge for us. Like you know, now kind of like the little part, you know, the little house parties and, you know, having people over, it's been, uh, it's been relieving, man. The bills have been, especially in a time during a pandemic, they're like a lifesaver for us. Another thing, it's so funny that you're coming on because I just was having like a long conversation with a, a, an out of town acquaintance about um, MMA and like, you know, fights being like the biggest moments of my career. And I was at UFC 205 in New York and I'm like, you got You don't really understand. Like, you, you, MMA in New York was completely different like five, ten years ago before it was legalized. Oh, way like, different. I remember here, like that was one of the first big breaks of my career was covering Victory MMA, the TNT fights back in the day. Yeah. Our man Don yeah. Lilly Don doing Lilly, the yeah. thing. And I'm you're like, you don't understand. The, like, uh, you're looking at the 145 pound TNT champion right here. <laughs> right. Let's go. I mean, those were yeah. those were the I days, man. Like it, it was like it's hard to explain. I mean, like to go from what it was to just kids in this area, not having any opportunity, you know, not having the same opportunity that, you know, a lot of people around the country were having. How tough was that on you? Man, that was huge. I guess when I was an amateur, man, I did, I had to travel all, you know, all over the, uh, all over the state, man. Like, you know, uh, I think I went to Alabama. I went to California. Mm. I had to travel all over the place to, uh, to fight because it wasn't legal in New York yet. And there was like specific rules and um, certain sanctions that you had to go under. So when I was coming pro, it, it was just becoming legal. So by the time I was pro, I never thought in a million years I'd be able to fight in New York. And the next thing you know, I'm fighting in Bellator, you know, on Mad- in Madison Square Garden. You know, it's kind of like a dream come true. And I came full circle because, you know, I think they've only maybe had a maybe like four or five fights at Madison Square Garden at the time. It, you know, it just... Uh, it was a passing of the guard for New York, you know, to uh, legalize MMA, you know, full sanctions. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one here coming up, uh, James Gallagher, obviously, uh, you know, a huge name because uh, of the association with Connor. Uh, what wh- what can you tell me about him and what this kind of matchup is going from Archuleta? Uh, what's that? I think you're breaking up a little bit. Um, can you hear me? Oh, all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, it might be. It's a little chopped up, I said. Um you said James Gallagher? Yeah. Just tell me about this matchup. I mean, what's what's it been like preparing for him, and what challenges does he present? Um, well, it's been a very good ride. I think it's more about um, just preparing myself, not mm-hmm. so less preparing for him. Um, but James is a he's an important matchup because he's you know part of Connor's team and he's such a big name. But mm-hmm. he's basically, you know, I don't mean to take him lightly either. But James is a master of nothing. You know, um, he's uh. He's got a good team behind him, and um, he's been uh, promoted correctly. But um, I feel like his skill level is probably where I was about four years ago. Mm. That's a great assessment. I've actually not seen yeah. – I've, I've actually haven't seen anything really come of him. I mean, though, it's tougher because especially now that I'm out of – I'm so much bills all the time. I tell people this all the time that, you know, friends that text me about UFC fights, it's like – Dude, I'm not, not. I'm not as plugged in as I once was. I can make a couple calls, yeah. and we can maybe get those kind of that kind of intel. But um, 
So I'll be interested to watch this fight and if he's ready for what I believe is kind of a level up in this fight. Yeah, he's definitely going to level up. I mean, um, we only have one mutual opponent, and I, I beat the kid in 66 seconds, and, you know, that kid was able to knock him out in the first round. Um, besides that, he's never really fought anyone of the caliber that, you know, all of my previous, let's say, five opponents. So it's um it's going to be exciting to see him step up. And um, um, like I said, I uh, I don't take him lightly. You know, I uh, I don't take it for granted, should I say. I know that he what the position I'm in, he wants to be in. So he's going to be training his hardest, and he's mm. probably going to give his um, the best version of himself. So I plan on just uh, running over the best version of James Gallagher, you know, come May 7th. No questions asked, you know. I'm planning on flatlining him. Got, got, got the shout-out here from DJ Falco. What's up, No Love? Angola's finest, indeed. <laughs> yeah, that's man, awesome. Angola, New York. That's where I'm from, man. You know, I, uh, I hold grace to that. I try to... Um, try to represent it every chance I get, man. You know, I'm a kid from a small town, you know, Angola. I went to Lakeshore High School. Um, my wrestling coach, Billy Sills, uh, uh, Jim Michael, these guys instilled, uh, you know, certain things in me, Dennis Brown, since a young age. So it's very cool to uh, carry the torch for Angola, you know. Hey, listen, I, my, my roots in this city, this, this town and surrounding area goes deep. I covered Tonawanda versus Lakeshore High School. <laughs> I, I made the drive back in the day. So, yeah, yeah. I, I've been all over the place. I mean, Angola is a very fine place. Yeah, man, it's a good spot, man. I grew up right out, you know, a couple miles from Mickey Rats, you know, right on the beach there. My mom, mm. you know, raised all of us, so she gave me it. You know, she she brought us up well, man. And, uh, I'm um I'm grateful to be for where I'm from. So tonight's card, it's pretty loaded. Who do you have in, in the main event? Uh, who do you have in the big fights tonight? Um, I have Jan, uh, the Polish power Jan Beloskowitz. Uh, I think he's going to knock out Israel, Israel Adesanya. Okay. Uh, he's got okay. power. I think that if Kelvin Gaslam could touch him, I think that Jan could knock him out. Mm-hmm. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if we seen, like, you know, Izzy coming out doing a bunch of flips and winning, you know what I mean, in spectacular fashion. <laughs> either. So, uh, but I want the guy to win, you know. I feel like uh, Izzy's already got one world title, you know. We don't need right. to get greedy and have two, you know. <laughs> Indeed. You know? And now, have you trained at all with uh, Islam? Uh, you've been because you said you've been around their team a little bit. Have you have yeah. you trained with him? Yes, Islam's been team captain uh, since Khabib's been out. Um, I've trained with him for the last six weeks. The guy is just—he's uh, one of the best um, training partners I've ever had. I um, we don't speak so much because he doesn't. Uh, his English is just still learning English, mm-hmm. and I, of course, don't know Russian. So, <laughs> like, I guess. But anything he tells me to do, I follow, though. He's a really good leader. Like, he just mm-hmm. shows you, and you follow it. And he's, like, um, one of the best training partners I've ever had. He's also one of the only training partners to ever smash me as bad as he has in the gym. So I think that he's <laughs> going to be a, I think he's gonna be a nightmare for Drew Dover. This guy can really wrestle well. He's one of the um, – I mean, they say he's just like Khabib, and when I mean to tell you, they're not lying, you know. He's going right. to be probably the lightweight world champion in, I say, five fights. Wow. High praise. And obviously, uh, you know, you know, you know something about 135, Peter Jan, Peter Jan, uh, however you want to pronounce it, Aljamain Sterling. I got, I got the upset. I'm going with Aljamain Sterling. I think that he's better everywhere. Or I shouldn't say that. He's not better everywhere, but I think he has multiple he's ways well to win this fight. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, Peter Jan's, uh, he's great at one thing, but he's good at everything. But he's not. I think Aljamain Sterling's a—he's uh, a little better at every. Um, 
he's more well-rounded, meaning he could stand up. He can, he's better on the ground. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's, um, I think there's a level, uh, difference in, um, their grappling and stuff, but I was able to train with, uh, Aljamain Sterling out here for the last six weeks as well. Um, I'm training with Marab DeSalvia. It's one of his number one training partners. He's like been all my sparring rounds and stuff out here, Mm -hmm. but I've been able to train with them and see their new, the, the guys all from New Jersey. They've been out here for the last six weeks. I've actually been able to watch their camp, see how Aljo's worked, watch his sparring. I'm confident that uh, Aljamain Sterling can win tonight um, if he doesn't get knocked out and caught. If he mm-hmm. doesn't get caught, I think Aljamain Sterling uh, wins a decision all day long. That's awesome. And before I get you out of here, I, I want to ask you about one more thing. Like, I think one of the most interesting guys in MMA um, is Ali. And listen, I know a lot of guys. Like, I'm really good friends with Kamaro Usman and Cody Garbrandt. And so I've always kind of, you know, I, I don't know Ali personally, but I just know the kind of reverence and, and love that, you know, his guys have for him. What's it been like yeah. being managed by him? Um, Ali's been the, the best manager, man. He changed my entire career. I fought for King of the Cage, man. And, uh, you know, I was with them for so long. And then Ali started taking direction of my career when I went to the Ultimate Fighter. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I mean, not just like the money and, um, you know, he's got me financial security in my sport, which is important. You know, I never had that when I was coming up. I was making like a thousand or two thousand bucks a fight, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now to, he's got me all the way to, uh, you know, as long as I kept my promise and did my job, he told me I could fight for the world title. So he got me into Bellator, got me up to the world title got me better money than you know some of the contracts with the ufc guys that i was getting offered and stuff so i was happy um to work with him but uh just like family wise man he takes like i mean that guy calls me he called me 20 i think i talked to him for half an hour today just to make sure i was all right out here you know Mm -hmm. um make sure i have rides make sure i'm picked up from the airport make sure uh if i want to go home you know like Anything I just reach out to my management, they'll do food. If I wanted food delivered, you know, I want a flight, anything, man. They're, uh, they really value their athletes. So I feel like that's why he has such a big team. And that's why he has so many high level guys. Like you said, Cody Garbrandt, Kamar Usman, Habib Nuragomegov, Henry Cejudo. I mean, these guys are just all main staples. So just to be a part of that, I guess I'm super humbled. And then for him to actually put me on the level of these guys and stuff like that, that that's why I can, um, hold myself at the standard of being, uh, you know, the highest level guys, you know, feeling like I am one of the highest level guys in the world. Well, we cannot wait for your fight, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time out in thank Vegas. You, I appreciate you. Safe travels back to Buffalo. And hopefully when all this COVID stuff's over, we can hang out, play some golf, yeah. do something fun, you know? Yeah. You might have to teach me how to golf though, man. It's all right. I can't teach fun. you. We'll go out there and hack away together because I'm terrible. The only thing I can do is I can happy Gilmore it and hit it pretty far. So that's good. All right, brother. All right, buddy. Take care. Hey, much love, brother. I'll see you. Patchy mix. Uh, he is, uh, he's awesome. Dude does a lot of stuff. I tell people the story all the time, Ryan. He, um, he is, you know, making his way up the ladder in Bellator. Meanwhile, in between fights, he's still coaching wrestling at Sweet Home High School in Western New York. I mean, just like an awesome dude and it, easy to root for. Um, you know, had a great fight against Juan Archuleta. Didn't go his way. Uh, he'll get back in there against James Gallagher, and that's going to be a high-profile fight. Anybody that's got that Connor connection, it's high-profile. All right, we're going to move right along here, Ryan. We're gonna get We're going to change gears here. We're still going to be keeping an eye on the fights a little bit, we're going to go 15, 20 minutes with our guy, 
I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he needs no introduction. Mr. Bruce Exclusive, Bruce Nolan. Can you hear us, buddy? I think I just added you in here. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can yes. hear you. I, I'm wondering, should I? Should we bring in his special avatar? <laughs> his avatar that he has? Oh, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. Oh, it doesn't work. It's okay. We're going to go audio only. And, you know, how are you, my friend? I feel like we haven't talked to you in too long. It's been too long. It's been a long time. I'm doing okay. You know, it's, it's a busy time of year. The off-season brings with it its own sort of narratives. And some of those narratives about roster construction, about the draft, about free agency, some of that stuff makes me shockingly busy. And because of that, I find myself not able to get to the things I need to get to as much as I'd like to, uh, because I'm busy. I'm still working my way through the defensive end class and, you know, we've got free agents to go on, but then you, you think, okay, how, how far do I want to invest in that? Because, you know, last year I was all invested in who I thought the bills were going to pick at 22 overall. And then they went and swung a trade for Stefan Diggs, messed up my whole life. You know, I mean, don't <laughs> exactly. get me wrong. I think, I think I'm okay with it, but you know, it's busy. I'm it's a busy time of year. I'm in a weird place too right now. Brian, I'd like your thoughts on this. Like I still, I, I feel so hesitant to dive into the draft yet. I mean, I'm doing some early due diligence here and you know, I think it's like a weird year. Like the bills don't go play this long in most years. So, you know, it, it, I, I had a kind of a late start at it anyway, but it's like, I really do think that this is a weird year that, I know they're still going to go in with the mindset of best player available, but because of the importance of this draft and in terms of adding dynamic players to the roster, they might not, they might have to go and say, all right, we're going to have to take a running back here or a cornerback here because there's this pocket of players that we think if they're that good and we think that they can make this kind of impact, we might have to pull the trigger when most years we might take, I don't know, who, who throw it out there, you know, a, a safety, maybe a safety is the best player on the board there this year. They might have to alter their thinking a little bit. No, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I, I think you, you guys have both already said it's a really bizarre year. Uh, obviously the free agency is going to mold what they get, what they're going to do in the draft in terms of that mindset of, okay, when we get to pick 30, there might be a handful of guys on the board, but if we've already addressed position a in free agency, maybe then we have to bump up, that cornerback, maybe we have to bump up that edge rush or that right tackle, uh, whatever they feel is the biggest need. But, you know, I'm kind of in the same spot as both of you guys, Bruce. I can kind of relate to your story from last year with the, the Diggs trade. Um, my first year at NYUP, it was the 2017 draft. And they, they said, okay, let's put together about 20 profiles, draft profiles on prospects that the Bills could take at number uh, in the first round of that draft. And we're like, all right. So we, we make all these profiles, all these articles ready to go. <laughs> and, of course, the Bills trade down. And who do we not have a profile on that's ready to go? Tredavious White. So all that work, <laughs> all those profiles that we had ready to go were just right out the window. So uh, we can, I can definitely relate to that story. And uh, But it, like you, that, that also worked out pretty well with Trey White and company. Yeah, I'm not going to complain. It, it, it's not just that they traded down. It's that they traded down outside your profile range. <laughs> if they would have traded yep. back a couple spaces, you would have been like, okay, we're, we're still fine. Everything's fine. They trade all the way down to 27. They pick Tredavious White, and you're like, 
Okay, quick scramble. Um, you guys know who Tredavious White is, right? I mean, I totally knew who Tredavious White was, right? And, you know, it's weird because I, you try to start as early as you possibly can. So I, I follow a lot of college football. I start my work on the draft early, early, early. But because of all the opt-outs, this is such a strange year as it is. And so you have people like, you know, Rondale Moore, and you have players who are at play in the back half of the first round. And you think to yourself, Goodness gracious, I'm operating on 2019 tape and no combine from these people. Mm, and mm. so I think the level of variance you're going to have this this draft is unlike anything we've seen recently where there's going to be a significant gap between people who do this for a living and are connected with what NFL teams are going to do versus the people who are hobbyists and don't have those connections. The, the gap might be bigger this year than ever it is just because of the lack of information available to the public. That's still obviously in NFL circles. We know how fast these people run because they ran at their pro day or they ran at the, the private workout or they did HOA combine that just recently happened in South Florida, things like that, that may not necessarily be available for public consumption, but the teams have. So you're going to see really significant things. I'm not going to put a bet on any of my picks this year. No, no bets at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not done one mock draft yet, and I, I, I don't know when I will do one and how many. I'll, I, I'm so, like you mentioned, it's such a weird year. I feel so unprepared, and 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 really kind of want to rely on the guys that have been grinding the tape, whether it be this year's tape or last year's tape. Um, but I want to transition here a little bit. Um, if you're just watching, joining us now. Uh, definitely go back if you're on YouTube or, or wherever you're watching live and, and check out our interview. We, we talked with John Feliciano for a bit, uh, legendary MMA coach, uh, Mark Henry. And we just had on uh, local product, Patchy Mix, uh, previewing his next fight, talking a little bit of uh, MMA with him. Uh, but it's been a kind of a crossover show. We brought Bruce on tonight because, you know, we're usually tweeting during the fight. So I thought, why not, uh, you know, watch some fights, talk some bills. And one thing that we brought up earlier, Bruce, was... Um, the idea of getting comfortable with moving on from Daryl Williams, because, you know, as we sit here today, another piece of news came out yesterday, Ryan, the franchise tag is going to be placed mm -hmm. on Taylor Moten in Carolina. And with him off the board, Daryl Williams notches up to number two in terms of free agent tackles behind Trent Williams, who's expected to be re-signed by the 49ers. So if that happens before free agency, we're talking about Daryl Williams as the top free agent on the market at the position, which means he's going to get a lot of dollar bills. And I don't think that's coming from the bills. So it's start, it's pivoting to, if you haven't already, I think most people in bills mafia have already kind of made the transition, but now it's about looking ahead. And one of the, I think options that's already on the roster that you don't have to do a lot with is Cody Ford. If you're willing to sprinkle it or, or venture into those waters once again, what are your thoughts on that? And I know that I, we talked to you about this before, and I'm pretty sure you're pretty pro Cody Ford guard. But if you don't land a significant tackle, can you go into 2021 with Cody Ford at right tackle? So, yes, you, you correctly identified my particular stance on this. Since before Cody Ford was drafted, I said he's a guard. And I'll level with you. I never saw him look as comfortable at right tackle as he did at left guard this past season and it was a shame he got hurt when he got hurt because you know the guy's been bounced around left and right and I never really felt like he found his footing at right tackle I would actually 
I'll level with you. I'd rather throw Ryan Bates out there at right tackle mm. than have than have Cody Ford at, at, just because I I'm I'm getting tired of him bouncing around all the time. And I understand that the initial plan from listening to McDermott and Bean talk was to platoon Daryl Williams and Cody Ford at right tackle. But Williams played so well that he's like, okay, well, we're gonna go ahead and kick him inside. And Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott talked about Cody Ford and specifically said, we expect him to be one of the top five players on this offensive line in 2021. So clearly they view him as a starter. And at that time, I don't know if they necessarily knew that Daryl Williams was not going to be back because we didn't know about the Taylor Moten franchise tag. And now we're starting to venture toward the idea that maybe Daryl Williams is back. I'd also rather understand that there are players at the back half of Round one, Liam Eichenberg, Tevin Jenkins. These are players that I would much more feel comfortable drafting them. Tevin Jenkins is a bad, bad man. And if I can get him at 30, I will run. I will run to the podium with that ticket. He's somebody who they would absolutely love here in Buffalo. He has that nasty streak. You wouldn't expect it from a Big 12 tackle. That's just not something they're known for. But remember, Cody Ford was Big 12 tackle. So mm. you can get that mean streak from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas, TCU. You can get it from those schools down there, even though they don't necessarily play defense. But that doesn't mean you can't get the toughness there. So I'd rather do almost any other option, personally, aside from put Cody Ford back at right tackle. Because, number one, I thought he was a guard coming out, and I really, really like to leave him in one place for an entire offseason. And the second mm. reason is that – I don't think I'd ever seen him as comfortable as I did when I saw him at left guard. I think those are valid points. Um, you know, the, the one thing I'll say is, you know, Tevin Jenkins, he's been a mock draft choice for the Bills. I know that they have a Zoom meeting with him, so there's obviously some interest there. Um, if the Bills go into the draft and it's obvious that they need a long-term right tackle, what should they do about the swing tackle role. Is that where Ryan Bates fits in? Should they sign a veteran in free agency, in your opinion? What's the route to go there? Because uh, in, Ty Inseki is a free agent, obviously. We, we know Daryl Williams, who is more of a starter, obviously. He's most likely gone. So what, what's the next step there? Because you, you also have to make sure you have a backup plan in case, one, the rookie doesn't get up to speed in time or has some struggles. So in your opinion, what should they do there? Yeah, I think the first name that comes to mind is Ryan Bates. I actually think that Ryan Bates performed admirably at the tackle role. He's he's kind of their their new Ike Butker, a guy who plays all five <laughs> positions, right? And they really love the versatility. And coming out of college from Penn State, Ryan Bates is someone who I really like the movement ability. And he really had a length issue, but you like his footwork. You like the movement ability, his ability to operate in space. So you think, okay, tackle might be a little bit, uh, kind of underserved for his talents because of the lack of length. But if he has the movement speed to be able to make up for it, you think, okay, maybe he can be a reasonable swing tackle in this league. The other person, and we haven't really been talking about him, but I kind of kind of kicked it open with a Buffalo Rumblings article I wrote earlier this offseason. Let's call up Adrian Waddle. Let's see if he's still interested in playing. Mm. Because th this is a guy who played in this, for this coaching staff in this scheme and then tore a quad and didn't play again took a year off from football. Let's just check in. It doesn't hurt to kick the tires. I'm not saying I'm not going strong down that path because I don't even know at this point what his interest is. But I do know that the last time he had interest in playing it was for this regime. 
in this offensive system for Buffalo. So those are two things that immediately come to mind. There aren't a lot of free agents that I feel super comfortable with, with that role. But I think the natural assumption is that Ryan Bates is going to fill it. But like I said, there's somebody out there who you could potentially kick the tires on. One name that I kind of saw and I thought wouldn't it be fitting if if he finished up his career here would be uh, Jason Peters. Although I don't know if he would fit in traditionally to that swing tackle role. I'm sure he could mm-hmm. play right tackle if you asked him, but um, I don't know how much is left in the tank there. And I I also saw a post, I, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, but it seemed like Ty Inseki would be open to returning, uh, I think, in 2021. So he's somebody that, you know, when he's on the field, he's been good for the Bills. So I, it'll be interesting to see where they go there. I wanted to get your thoughts on RB in the draft because it's something that I think is so polarizing that the conversation and people really dig their feet into the, you know, into the sand when it comes to running back and where the value is worth drafting that position. And I think, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit too traditional here and I, and I try to evolve my thinking as much as I can, but I, I just can't get past the idea of, you know, You've you spent so much draft capital and development hours on these two pieces these last two years. I almost think that to draft a running back at 30 would have to be a slam dunk home run to move on from one of these guys where I don't really know if we've seen what either one of them can really be yet. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm off base there. What are what are your thoughts on a running back at 30? And what do you think the Bills should do considering how that position on their roster is currently constructed. The idea that the Bills want to run the ball more effectively is a big part of the conversation this offseason because, quite frankly, it was obvious to anyone who watched that the Bills were not effective running the ball this year in a lot of spots. And then when Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott say, we don't necessarily want to run the ball more, but we do want to run the ball more effectively, when they say that, the, the mindset immediately goes to, okay, how can we run the ball more effectively? And I think that Brandon and Sean McDermott did a really good job of openly saying, hey, this is not on Moss and Singletary. That's not what I'm saying. It's not all about them. And when you watch the evolution of the Buffalo Bills scheme, they ran a lot more zone this year from a blocking scheme than they ever ran in 2019, which was kind of interesting because we have a tendency to forget Quentin Stain was on this roster. Week one. Mm. We just forget about him. It's like he never existed. And then when they cut him in the middle of the year, just a few games after signing an extension, then you think to yourself, okay, what, what what's going on? And then all of a sudden you see the zone runs, you think, okay, maybe that's the reason why. Maybe that's the reason why, because Sweat in Spain wasn't a good fit. There was some maybe potentially a clash there in styles between what Quentin Spain did well and where the offensive line was going. But then you look at the Bills' performance against light boxes in 2019, and you look at their performance against those same light boxes in 2020, with, mind you, one of those same running backs is still on the team, and that's Devin Singletary, who had was markedly less effective. It's hard for me to look at that and look at everything that transpired over the last two years and come to the conclusion that you cannot have a good, effective running attack with Singletary and Moss. I just don't believe it. So I'm much more in the blocking and scheme as far as the fault goes, as opposed to the running backs. Not that I'm saying they're dynamic speedsters because they're not. I'm saying that a dynamic speedster 
would in and of itself be lessened through the same factors that Singletary and Moss were lessened. And so if you know you're going to go out and get Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, Devontae Williams at 30 or in the second round, and you think to yourself, okay, this is the key. We're going to unlock the Bills running game with this. Well, if that's the case, then why did Singletary take a step back in 2020 from 2019? Because there are other factors at play here. And so I'm not pro sign up for a running back high in the draft. I probably never will be just from an inefficiency standpoint. That doesn't mean there's not good players to be had. That doesn't mean if you draft Travis Etienne at 30, I'm going to be mad about it. It's it's inefficient, in my opinion. I want it's mad not Bruce. The ideal usage. So what? <laughs> I want I want mad Bruce. You like, want get mad? mad? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, um. Okay. Well, I'm going to be super upset, and I'm going to throw things, and I'm going to yell at the television, and it's going to be terrible. No, it's just you can have a good player who is inefficient. I mean, it's the same thing as taking a punter in the third round. Does that mean that punter is not going to be good? No, it's just an inefficient use of resources. It's the same thing with running back for me. I'm not going to throw a fit if they do it at 30, but I don't think it's the most effective way to utilize resources to solve the problem. That all makes sense. We have a question from the fans in the comments. Anyone from the Buffalo Bulls the Bills should be interested in? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, Jared Patterson comes to mind right off the top of the bat. If you're gonna take a, if you're gonna take a running back, and you want to add something to the room, and you want to make sure that TJ Yeldon maybe gets a different spot, then you think, okay, well, let's look at Jared Patterson. He's not someone who's gonna take a, a high pick by any means, but you know, the Bulls had a really good offensive line last year, like a really good offensive line, and that kind of in and of itself makes you wonder about Jared Patterson and. Um, you know, he's had some, he's had some questions about his long speed come up and the, you know, the explosiveness for the long runs. And so that may not necessarily be adding a skill set that you think you're adding. For example, if you have someone who is a vision and contact balance kind of running back and you add them to Singletary and Moss, are you really adding any traits to the room or are you just adding bodies to the room? And so that's the difference. Are you trying to add a body to the room or are you trying to add a complementary set of traits? And Jared Patterson might not be adding a complementary set of traits. He might just be adding a body. But I think that's the one that's naturally going to come up. Um, I don't have the name off the top of my head, but there is an offensive lineman that I can't remember who I was talking to. I think it was Chris Trapasso who said that, you know, should be, uh, you know, in that middle to late round uh, on the radar. Um, I, I, that will come up in the next couple of weeks. Well, I'll make sure to get you that name. But you know, that's a good question because, you know, I think that, in, in a year like this, I mean, how nice would it be for Brandon Bean to just call La uh, Lance um, uh, Leipold over there and, you know, uh, chop it up and talk about some some prospects and maybe some guys that they were able to scout more heavily because of the availability. That's always something interesting to keep an eye on. You are watching Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. We are uh, – I'm Matt Perino. He's Ryan Talbot. We're joined right now by the invisible man, Bruce Nolan. We usually have a graphic here that shows his face, but um, for whatever reason, it wasn't working right because we just did it a different way today. So he just just imagine that he's here lurking, and I, that's how I like to think about him anyway. So it works out. Um, what do you got for us, Bruce? What, 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 drive the conversation here a little bit. You know, you're out there, and, and you're this perfect, like, middleman, like, between – the fan and the media, and I think a very important piece to the 
the the the conversation in terms of how it's driven. You know, what's on your mind as we sit here ahead of what I think is going to be a very active week in the NFL and a big week for the Bills potentially as they try to listen. You can say anything you want, and and maybe there's there's not a bunch of moves coming, but to me. I think Brandon B needs to at least give himself the some room to navigate, if you will. I, I don't think that we're going to be sitting here on March 15th with no moves being made and the bill still sitting here at about even in terms of the salary cap. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that the interesting thing about this year is that the methods by which teams go about creating space is going to contribute to how they look next year. Because, you know, you can create space. Lots of teams can create space. It's the method by which you do it that determines whether or not you're going to run into these same problems next year. Because you can just take salary and signing bonus and simple we call it a simple restructure. It happens all the time. But what happens is you end up crystallizing that contract for you. And now, next year, you created that space in 2020. Congratulations. But now you can't get out from that contract because you took that salary and you converted signing bonus. And now if you want to cut them, you got to accelerate it. And so I think the really thing that's going to be interesting about this year versus other years is that you're forcing, you're putting the squeeze on these teams and the way that they react when being squeezed is going to kind of echo into perpetuity for the next couple of years because you have these scenarios where you have teams getting desperate. If you look at the Saints, they're doing a lot of moves to get mm-hmm. down, and they're going to have to still make a lot more moves. And if you make the wrong ones, you are impacting your ability to be flexible in the future. And so for me, the thing I'm keeping an eye on is not whether or not Brandon Bean's going to make room. It's the method by which he's going to make room. Because if you pick these players, you know, if you pick a player like Deion Dawkins or Travis White. Okay, well, we all just pretty much assume that they're going to be around for the next year or two, and it's not really going to be a problem. But there are other potential options on the roster where you can make a move. Mitch Morse, you can restructure Mitch Morse. You can add a, you can add a year to John Brown. The methods by which you create the space are actually far more fascinating to me than the fact that you created it, because you're going to. Everyone's going to. But you have to pick and choose carefully the methods by which you create space because this can snowball on you real fast if you make the wrong moves financially for next year. So that's what I'm interested to see. I don't have any sort of insider knowledge on what they're going to do with any of these things, but it's just going to be fascinating from a roster building philosophy standpoint to see what they do. I have a question for you, Bruce. What's going to happen to players like, John Feliciano, and and not just him in Buffalo, but other guards that were waiting to hit the free agent market, but now you're getting this flood of players that are going to be hitting free agency even before them. Uh, I I ran off some names here uh, of some players that teams are trying to trade right now, but based on their salaries, it's not going to happen. They're going to get released. We saw Gabe Jackson get released. So as this market gets flooded with players that can sign now, what does that do for a John Feliciano and other players that we're likely looking to obviously cash in? The middle class of the NFL is going to be who feels the the, the push here because the stars are still going to get star money. It's the mm. middle class. And the way that I described it when I was talking about it on my pod is there is a certain level of tolerance within NFL organizations for people who aren't necessarily playing at their cap hit 
but are playing close to it. So if you have, for example, if you have a good player who's being paid like a very good player, you could tolerate that on a few occasions for an NFL team, but the tolerance level is going down and down and down and down as you get squeezed. And so the tolerance level for that gap between the way that you're playing and the way you're getting paid, that tolerance level goes down and down and down. And who ends up getting hurt by that? The people who end up getting hurt by that are the middle class of the NFL. And when you have things like that happen, you wonder if you're going to see one-year deals that get signed with voidable years in the future so that the teams can still sign these players, put a signing bonus on the thing, and spread it through the voidable years. And then the the other players who end up getting pushed by this, and they're like, hey, you know, um, the market's not what I want it to be. Let's take one year. Let's hit it again next year. They can still get some of their money, but the teams have to be able to spread that signing bonus out because the problem with one-year deals is you can't hide any money. So everyone keeps assuming, well, they're all going to have to settle for one-year deals. The problem with one-year deals is there's no way to structure it to make it cap-friendly in the year you signed it. You pretty much just signed up for it now. So I think you might start seeing one-year deals with voidable years in the future with the way the Saints have been doing it for years in order to kick the salary that is associated with the signing bonus down the road. So I think that's what you might see from the NFL's middle-class players like John Feliciano and other guards who have to wait their turn while their position is being flooded by cuts. All right, we have another good fan question for you, Bruce. This is from Thomas Buck. Given Beans better than average hit rate for late in the draft, does the weird 2020 college season set up well for late gems? I think it sets up well for anyone who has the scouting department to be able to pull it off. The team that I constantly worry about for things like this is the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals have the smallest scouting department in the entire NFL. And so because of that, they rely on the ability to be able to obtain information via other sources that are no longer necessarily available to them in the same quantities that would previously be available. However, if you listen to people who are on the road and they're watching these college football games, Brandon Bean and Joe Shane are everywhere. They're all over the place. You turn around, they're there. It's like, what about Bob? He's never gone. You open the screen door, Brandon Bean's there. It's... And so when you have a team that has the resources that they've invested and they believe in the film and they have the resources that are able to help them get eyes on these players and not have to rely on previous technological advances that are no longer present in this particular environment, you know, if you're waiting for the combine to find out how fast this guy is because you really haven't gotten anybody who's interviewed his coach and talked about how fast he is and now you don't have that anymore, that's going to be a problem. So I think the thing we should be happy about is that the Bills and the Pagulas have allowed Brandon Bean to invest so heavily into a reasonable scouting department that will allow the Bills to not fall behind due to the limitations that 2020 has brought on us now here in 2021. Three fights left, Mr. Nolan. Uh, We're we're, we're entering the the championship portion of the evening at 11.25 Eastern time, which means we'll I'll be going to bed at about 2 a.m. probably, which will be <laughs> great for my morning, uh, Sunday morning. Uh, you got some picks for me here? What do you, wh- who do you think are winning these three title fights tonight? When it comes to Sterling and Jan, my rule on strikers versus grapplers is always take the grappler unless the striker has proven exemplary takedown defense. That's my rule, which means I'm taking Aljamain Sterling. 
because mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, Peter Jan's a, a great fighter, but Jose Aldo wanted to stand and bang with him. That's what he wanted to do. Aljamain Sterling might stand and bang with you, but Aljamain Sterling is a grappler. He's a wrestler, and he's creative with his ability to close distance. And Peter Jan is a heavy, heavy-handed 135er who's going to plant his feet and come and punch your not- lights out. And so I haven't seen Peter Jan have exemplarily takedown defense where it's like, well, goodness gracious, you're just not going to be able to pull it off. And given that, I go grappler, so I take Sterling. In regards to Amanda Nunes, I always take Amanda Nunes, period. Like I understand <laughs> I understand Megan Anderson is an absolute tank, and she's huge for the 145-pound division, standing six foot tall, very long, has that knockout power. And if someone is going to give Nunes trouble, it's someone who can knock her out because Nunes will get into a firefight with you. She will do it. But historically, she's been a bigger, stronger fighter unless, you know, you fight Cyborg and knock her out cold. So I will always take Nunes. It's just until she proves me otherwise, I'll take Nunes. And goodness gracious, you know, I have a hard time rooting, uh, uh, picking against Israel Adesanya, but I love Jan Blahovich. I, I really do. I absolutely do. The Polish power thing strikes me great. I think guys chiseled out of granite. Um, I do think that them both being converted 185ers is interesting to me because Adesanya came up, but he still weighed markedly lower than 205. Whereas Jan's now been at 205 for a while. He's trained his body now where he cuts down to 205. So the difference in weight on fight night is going to be a lot bigger than four pounds. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be closer to 20 pounds, the difference between the two of them. So I love Israel Adesanya. I think he's an incredible creative striker. All right. I, I, you know, I, all great analysis. I'm going to agree with you on Sterling. I, I, I picked him. And of course, listen, I got some betting advice for you. If you ever want MMA betting advice, ask me what my like six, five, six fight parlay would be. And all the game that you have to play is which one of those is going to be wrong. Cause I always get one wrong. Josh Reed tweeted out today when uh degenerate Al from train wreck said that, Oh, I got some betting advice from Perino. And he's like, oh, oh, I've heard that song before. Get off the ride before it's too late. LOL. Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha, Josh Reed. Three for four in Pittsburgh last year. I went three for four. I lost one fight. And, it, and it's a killer always. Tonight, I, I picked uh, Song Yadong, and it was Song is over for me the rest of the night because <laughs> he lost. So now I'm sitting here with what is intact, a perfect six-fight parlay. That's probably going to hit if Sterling wins, if Nunez wins, and Israel Adesanya. I'm a little bit different with you there. I think I think he's too quick. I think that he's too creative. I think he's too smart to get caught in the first round, and I think that Jan will slow down. And I think that while I, I'm not going to sit here and predict the finish, I think Israel wins in just like one of those masterclass type performances. But – I could see Jan winning. I mean, he's a bit, he, you're right. 20 pounds is a lot of weight. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those scenarios where you can see the path to victory for both fighters. You can, I can see Israel Adesanya winning with cardio and outpointing him. I can see Israel Adesanya doing what Dominic Cruz did to the 135 division for so many years, which is just staying away from damage and outpointing him. I can see that. And then I can also see a scenario where Israel Adesanya decides he wants to get into a little bit of a firefight the way he did with Robert Wicker. But the difference 
difference is Jan Blahovich is not Robert Whitaker. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can I can see that as much as I mind you, I love Robert Whitaker. He's one of my favorite fighters of all time. That's how I feel about Robert Whitaker. But mm. Jan Blahovich is a different kind of dude, right? He's a different kind of guy. And I think that the Polish power thing is interesting because I don't think we look at Jan Blahovich as being this absolutely terrifying. You know, because he doesn't have these great, flashy, good-looking knockouts. And that's the thing. We don't think of him as Francis Ngannou power. We don't think about him like Anthony Rumble Johnson power, even though he's in the same division as Rumble Johnson was, because it's not flashy. It's these short these short hooks, these short check hooks. And, I mean, the flashiest knockout was Luke Rockhold, which was still one of my favorite knockouts ever. Jan Blachowicz knocking out Luke Rockhold. Quite frankly, anybody knocking out Luke Rockhold, I'm good with. But that was Aww, particular. Luke one Rockhold. Was My wife is not going to like that. She, um, you know what? Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I'm. Just, I'm not a Luke Rockhold guy. When when Yoel Romero knocked him out, that was fun. When Yablovich <laughs> knocked him out, that was fun too. So it was. You know, it, it's. I think we just under we underestimate the power because it's not flashy. Right. Who you got, Ryan? I have Israel because you don't. Yeah, I have Israel in the main event. The only Polish power that I honor is Ivan Putski. Old WWF <laughs> wrestler. That's Polish power, my friend. <laughs> Ivan Putski. Don't steal that nickname. <laughs> Don't do it, Matt. I am going with Israel just for that. Don't take Polish power. Uh, Nunez, just because I, I don't see her losing. And then I actually have Jan in this, Peter Jan in this fight. I, I just think that he's going to, I did write down toughest call though next to this match. So I went back and forth on that. But sorry, unless, you know, Unless Ivan Putski's walked through that door, that's not Polish power. <laughs> so, if I could just put Across on my, if I can, oh my gosh, I'm blanking here because I'm so enamored by your Ivan Putski reference. I, uh, the Iron Sheik. That's who I'm like thinking of. Don't be a jabroni, Ryan. Okay, don't Sheaky be. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, that's great. I, I love it. Uh, Bruce exclusive, uh, is the podcast. It is on the Buffalo rumblings podcast network. You can find it every Thursday and Friday, I believe. How are these uh, live shows going? Are you enjoying them? Is that something that's going to stick around for a while? I think it'll stick around for a, a chunk of this off season. I will say it's not really my thing. Um, it, the live shows is for more people, more talented than me for sure. Um, <laughs> but the, they they are interesting because it's nice to be able to have them steer the content. So that's kind of interesting and dynamic. However, on the other hand, I am a little bit of a, a control enthusiast. So because of that, having someone else steer the content doesn't necessarily always appeal to me because right. sometimes they ask me questions that I don't know the answers. I have to say things like, I don't know. And then we get to move on. It's really awkward. But live shows is never really something that I planned on ever doing, but the response has been really wonderful. I mean, Bill's Mafia has been unbelievably gracious to me. I mean, they, they've they've treated me with a level of of, of grace that I, I do not deserve. And they they show up for my live shows and they ask questions and they engage and it's been wonderful because they've made it wonderful, not necessarily because I really made it wonderful, but I'll take it. I'll take it for sure. Very cool. And how was the I haven't gotten a chance to listen to it yet. I'm gonna probably um put it on sometime next week if I have time, but the uh, Talking Buffalo pod, it seemed like you guys went into a pod discussion this week. I saw Pat yeah. tweet. Yeah, Pat has together, myself, Greg Tomset from Cover One, Joe Marino from Locked on Bills and the Draft Network. And that was, an, that was a really great show. And it was a mm -hmm. show about podcasting in general, podcasting theory, um, 
And it really, I think, pulls back the curtain a little bit on what it is we do. And um, I think that each one of us was able to be a little bit vulnerable for this discussion and actually talk about the things that we feel like we're doing well, the things that we struggle with. And I actually think it was a really good pod. I, I got, I've gotten some positive feedback from it where people have messaged me and be like, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I really appreciate you saying this. And there were some tips for some new people in there. I think that it helps people to understand who don't do it. And I helps, think it helps people to understand better who have just come into it, perhaps who are not experienced potters and content creators. And so that was a really enjoyable time. I think Pat did a wonderful job of navigating and negotiating that conversation. And um, I, I was just, I was happy to be part of it. I was, I was honored that he invited me along. And, you know, when you're up against, you know, Greg Tomset and Joe Marino, you better br bring your A game. So, uh, you know, I, I brought my C plus game and that was great, um, but I was able to kind of hold up. So I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a, it was a good time and I encourage people to listen to it. I think it's a good time. That's great. That's great. All right, Ryan, final thought, and uh, we're going to get out of here. Uh, final thought. You know, I think this week might be the week that we finally start seeing some moves from this regime. I know the Bills are probably waiting to see, uh, get, a, get a firm number on the cap, but they have to start making some moves, shed some salary. I uh, wouldn't be shocked if they, they look at some of these guards that hit the market. So I think business is about to pick up, if I'm going to mm -hmm. use another wrestling reference here, uh, in this next week. We better get out of here before we start hearing some. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, brothers. I, I think that could be next. And listen, I'm I'm kind of all here for it. So um, for Ryan Talbot, uh, Bruce Nolan, find him uh, at the Bruce Exclusive over on Buffalo Rumblings. Make sure you subscribe over there to that pod. It is always great stuff. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime. I'm Matt Perino. This is the Shelf Bills Football Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a little bit a little bit herky jerky at times we were kind of navigating a, a lot of different things but you know it, i just wanted to give you the personalities that you know i think um they're really fun um uh, i really liked learning more about uh patchy kind of introducing him a little bit more to the mma buffalo fan uh, mark henry is a absolute absolute jewel if um if bill's mafia doesn't uh just absolutely uh run after uh following that guy um man you got to you, you got to do it because he is uh he's a really cool um member of Bills Mafia and then of course Mr. Feliciano who will take center stage over the next couple of weeks as we figure out free agency. All right, I'm Matt Perino. Uh we will be back next week. Uh tons of content coming your way. Uh have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy these fights. I'm going to go watch them. <laughs>